The Four Diegos, proudly brought to you by Tax Talk. We love to talk tax. Call 1300 366 639. Now, David, I've been told by my brothers that uh, you've got a big announcement to make about uh, the Four Diego's application for the Australian soccer position. Would you like to tell us what Soccer Australia is considered tonight? Uh, well, the, the Board of Soccer Australia met yesterday and uh, were very impressed with your application. And uh, I'm pleased to announce that uh, your application, the four of you, to be the new national coach of the Socceroos has been... Uh, unanimously approved and... <laughs> Yay! <laughs> David, look, we never really got the opportunity to negotiate a salary with you. No, but we we um, uh, we have to... That is the one unresolved issue between you as the new national coaches and the Soccer Australia board. Uh, but I've been authorised to do the negotiations with you. I, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Oh, good. Because uh, the board, as I said, was very impressed with the application and uh, <laughs> certainly will be paying each of you more than we paid Eddie Thompson. Is that right? <laughs> David, this is uh, Carlos Alberto speaking. Many of the past coaches have complained about the distance problem they've got with a lot of the uh, players overseas and trying to bring them back to camps. Now, we've got a bit of a schedule here for our proposed overseas camps. We've got our first camp uh, scheduled for Bali <laughs> um, probably in about four or five weeks' time. And after we'll move on to Barbados and then probably Cannes for the film festival and the French <laughs> Riviera. Look, I think that's a good cosmopolitan. Fantastic. <laughs> Moving on to that, uh, the problems that Socceroo coaches may uh, have faced, is the Socceroo coaching job a unique job in that they've got a problem that probably no other national team's got? Yes, because... Um uh, by any measure, whatever the the squad for the World Cup finals, and you can nominate a 22-man squad, um, I think uh, every judge of soccer would accept that over half of them are playing in Europe. Uh, so just the, the process of appraisal and selection and preparation with uh, our national teams sprayed all over the world in their, in their club competitions, yeah, that does make your task uh, a lot harder. I'm glad it's yours, not mine. <laughs> Now, now, David, it's Warren again. And obviously, taking over any high-profile sporting position or management position is a difficult one. Um, now, tell us how you did, how you really felt inside when the Collingwood Warriors played their first game, and there was fifteen thousand people there. I know that that's been certainly a part of your vision to to really take soccer to the people and, and get some new teams involved. You must have, you must have really felt on behalf of everybody at Soccer Australia that all the trouble and all the tribulation was really worth it and that you were suddenly seeing soccer go where you really wanted it to go in Australia. Spot on. In fact, uh, even more so, in one day, that was the most tangible demonstration of what we've been arguing uh, is soccer's potential in Australia. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of resistance and a lot of reticence within uh, the National League clubs, and they're saying, oh, because we've been saying, go out and broaden the community appeal. Yeah. Let's take soccer into the mainstream and let's be less ethnocentric and monocultural. And they've been saying, oh, no, we'll alienate our traditional supporters. And in one day, mm. in one day, at one game in, in Melbourne, at Collingwood, and the same thing happened in Perth with mm. the new Perth team, mm. uh, they've demonstrated the, the undeniable potential of soccer appealing to the large mainstream of Australian society. It was certainly the most, I think, the single most significant day in the 20 years of national soccer in Australia. Yeah. And behind the scenes, as far as the club's concerned, obviously you speak to the administrators and the presidents of the clubs that were in, in the competition beforehand. Have you noticed 
their enthusiasm and, and their attitude change in response to the Collingwood and the Perth Glory entrance? Have they really sort of... Well, if it doesn't, if it doesn't they're doomed because um, by attracting bigger crowds and, and with crowds, uh, with the punter comes the sponsor and the interest in the uh, television rights and so on. Uh, so uh, that increases the commercial viability of clubs and increases the ability of the club to employ good players and uh, the clubs that don't keep up with that are going to be, be falling uh, behind. Mm. Now, to be honest, though, some of the clubs are still uh, captive to traditional members. Mm. Uh, you know, in some of the clubs, it's no secret, uh, Melbourne Knights uh, and Sydney United are just two examples uh, where, where a lot of their members still see the clubs as being ex exclusively, ethnocentrically, um, Croatian clubs. Mm. And uh, it's pretty hard to sell... Croatian nationalism to non-Croatian Australians. Uh, they really have to broaden their base because how long can can a team like Melbourne Knights or Sydney United compete when they're only getting 3,000 uh, Croatian Australians to their games? Mm -hmm. Well, David, in that case, so how far would, would a fully professional um, A-League competition be away now, do you think? I think within two or three years. Mm. Uh, I think it's coming that quickly. It's it's surprising how quickly it's changed already. Mm. There are probably in in most of the clubs, uh, in the majority of clubs, uh, six or seven or more players who now earn all of their income from soccer. Mm -hmm. Now that's not saying they're well paid. It's not saying they're paid as much as they need to to justify the claim of full-time professionalism. But it's a rapid advance on where we were at only two or three years ago. And I I think. Uh, with bigger crowds, with more television coverage, with more sponsorship, uh, with more money coming into soccer, um, the first priority has got to be uh, making it possible for talented Australian players to earn a living playing soccer. Mm. Do you think a lot of the bigger corporations will come in, uh, David, if... Um uh, with the with the required finances for a professional league, if we make the World Cup, or will they do that beforehand in anticipation of? Oh, I, I think the progress in the national league uh, is it can be quite independent and has been this last two last season and so far this season it's really rocketed away, mm. and uh, the 1990 World Cup final hasn't hasn't been a, a factor in that at all. Bear in mind we already have um, Coca Cola as the sponsors of the of the national teams, the Socceroos and so on, mm. and uh, Ericsson's are the sponsors of the National League. And frankly, you couldn't have more prestigious or bigger uh, multinational uh, corporate sponsors than that. Mm. It's a very interesting thing. I think uh, the World Cup 98 will be increasingly the focus of soccer's attention and the public's attention in Australia between now and France in 98. Uh, but if you go back historically, um, when Australia made the World Cup final in 1974, everybody thought that was it. Mm. Soccer's made it. That's mm. the answer. And if you think about it, soccer probably went backwards for the next 10 years after that. Yeah. Similarly, in New Zealand, they made it in 1980. Or was it 82? Yeah, 82. 82. And uh, you could argue that New Zealand soccer has gone backwards ever since. Yeah. So uh, we, we must not think that all we've got to do is qualify for France and, and soccer's finally made it. Yeah. Uh, I think the National League... The, the week-in, week-out Ericsson Cup National League is the principal vehicle on which the fortunes of soccer rest most. George Nikas once said on our show that uh, a lot of people feel that there's something going to happen, but they're not quite sure what it is. And we're almost waiting for the world us to qualify for the World Cup to uh, find out what that may be. How damaging would it be for us not to make the World Cup? Oh, I think everybody would be absolutely disappointed and even devastated. But, you know, let's 
keep this thing in perspective. Yeah. It's easy to lose a game of soccer. Yeah. You know, we have to win um, in Oceania. We'd be red-hot favourites to do that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, once every 20 years, New Zealand will beat us. Yeah. And they could beat us this time. Um, then we've got to play uh, um, one of the senior Asian teams, the fourth-place team in Asia. And again, I think Australia would have to be the favourites to win that. But you can easily lose games of soccer. I mean, mm. even the best teams in the world lose. So uh, it's it's not impossible for us not to make 1998. Yeah. Uh, mm. But but we should make it. And I've said before, um, if we don't make it, we didn't deserve to. Mm. Mm. Now, David, you've had a very interesting uh, professional career leading into the chairmanship of Soccer Australia. I mean, you started negotiating with the uh, Metal Workers Union on the New South Wales Railways and then had to grapple with the degeneration as chairman of the ABC. And now you're with Soccer Australia. What what skills did those previous jobs help? Br what skills did you bring to the Soccer Australia job? And 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 can you just let people know your love of soccer and the and the history of uh, your involvement with soccer in Australia? Because I think oh, a lot most, of people most uh, most management tasks have great similarities, surprising similarities, but they're all of course very different. Uh, soccer has the additional complexity. First of all, the passions for soccer are stronger than anything else I've ever done, and also the entrenched sense of ownership. Um, within soccer are stronger than, than I've experienced before. Uh, I, I was born in England and was brought up on playing soccer and then I played rugby league for some years in Sydney but I've been playing uh, low-grade soccer mm. for the best part of the last 30 years. And in fact, um, I'm just about to make a comeback in December. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, now, I've had my fifth, fifth knee surgery, All right. um, but on December the 7th, uh, I, I plan the great comeback. Oh, that's mm. great. Well, actually, George Negus told us that he was once offered a pro contract with Newcastle. Now, uh, that was back in the 50s. I don't know what sort of money there was involved there. Oh, I can tell, I can tell whoppers too. I, <laughs> I was going to ask you. I, I, was, I knocked back an invitation to play for England. <laughs> <laughs> and Manchester United. Oh, right, okay, fair enough. And AC Milan. Yeah. Oh. When, when I was younger, I played uh, up front. Yep. And uh, then, I, then I played for years right back. And in recent years, I've been playing in the middle of the middle. And what I like about that is that if you get a ball in the midfield, you've got more options to offload it in a hurry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and invariably, you can offload it in the direction you're facing when you control the ball. It's just like senior management at Soccer Australia, really, isn't it, David? <laughs> <laughs> problem, problem. It is, yeah, it is, too. I actually, I'm, I'm far too slow. I, half the people um, who have played soccer in Australia over many years uh, would have either played with me or against me at soccer, and it's the the, the bottom half of the standard of <laughs> soccer. I played in every low grade. Not many people can boast having played seventeenth grade, fourteenth division. <laughs> <laughs> and I did it for years with great pride. Anderson, can I tell you a story? Mm -hmm. I'm fearing can this happen. Years ago, when I was playing seventh grade, fourteenth division, we were short, and I persuaded a mate of mine to make up the numbers and we turned up for the ground late and the game had already started so I quickly put my boots on and raced out and I said you know come on when you can he came onto the field about five minutes later and I said now you play just over there between that bloke and that bloke <laughs> and at half time it was nil all and um, uh, I was giving the pep talk as captain of this terrible team and uh, I said to this uh, just to G up this mate of mine who hadn't played soccer since primary school I said now Nigel you're playing really well uh, those back passes to me were absolutely terrific at the end of the pep talk, when we were going on in the second half, he said to me, Dave, they weren't back passes. 
<laughs> Which way are we running? <laughs> and that was a measure of the standard of the seventh grade. Oh, right. David, so far in the A-League, there's been a lot of results where, uh, say, clubs have been beaten 6-0. Uh, well, Canberra got beaten 6-0 last week. And um, how did you feel in, in the FIFA voting when, uh, when your voting went 172 against and 1-4? No, listen, that's, that's not fair. And that, that is a typical media beat-up. We were only beaten 170. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I want you to know, there were six abstentions. Oh, okay. They would have voted for us. They would have. They nearly okay. did. And abstention is nearly as good as a vote. That's right. Uh, one, one of the problems we've got uh, with soccer, I mean, here we are trying to prepare for the 1998 World Cup. And uh, the rest of the world, I mean, if you take South America, for example, They've got about 16 World Cup qualifiers to play over the next 18 months. Every month they're playing good opposition. Mm. We haven't got any opposition. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that's you right. Know, in the middle of next year, we play uh, Tahiti, and the, either the winner or the runner-up of Polynesia against Melanesia. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, we're having great difficulty getting people to come here to play us because mm. they're too busy in their big confederations. Yeah. Now, we knew FIFA was going to vote to give Oceania. It's a 30-year struggle Oceania has had to get recognition, and good on them. They, mm. they, they won it. Well, but we just wanted to register. We thought it wasn't good for soccer, wasn't good for Australia, and I'd argue not good for soccer in the region. Uh, but, you know, FIFA's made its decision and we get on with that. We had to decide whether or not we just registered that we thought it was the wrong way to go. Mm -hmm. And we did get six abstentions. <laughs> <laughs> See, we've got to pick up Manuel off the floor. I think you scared the hell out of him. <laughs> <laughs> He's gone all pale. <laughs> Well, He's a he tough media man. Is he just overwhelmed by the responsibilities of being the new national coach? No, he, <laughs> he was just called media. That's, that's, that's right, what shocked right. him even more. The Four Diegos, proudly brought to you by Tax Talk. We love to talk tax. Call 1300 366 639. Look, uh, we felt that uh, you know, if we agree on money, I, I, I've got to stress that, Dave, because we can't sort of uh, just uh, take it for granted. But if uh, we felt that as far as our uh, selection policy goes with the uh, Socceroos team, we might adopt one that uh, many Victorian State League clubs do over here, and that is that the family members of Soccer Australia commissioners are first picked. And uh, we're just wondering whether you've got anyone else uh, in your family that you may want to have a game in the Australian team. I mean, George Negus has already got in contact with us and his young son is wearing number 10 in our next <laughs> international. And uh, David Woolley the same. He's, uh, he's got a young daughter who wants to play. So uh, we're quite willing to play. Have you got anyone at all that you'd like in the side? Um, well, I, I don't want to discuss this on here. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I did say that uh, we, we leave those selection decisions to you guys. Okay. But if if you, I, we thought you were a little more astute. Uh, you, you've obviously didn't register. I make my comeback on December. Oh. <laughs> and listen, is the number ten jumper gone already? Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, George, George's yeah. young son's got that one, mate. But uh, look, I think you'd you'd probably get the bigger vote over him, though. I, mm. I, I'm bigger than him. <laughs> now, David, we've seen the uh, the troubles that are. Uh, the Australian Rugby League has gone through with Super League and stuff, and I know you're a beloved supporter of North Sydney, the Bears. I'm a, I'm a bit of St George man myself, but that's another story. Now, with if if soccer in Australia continues to grow and become successful, do you see um, a pay television network really being interested in trying to package a, a competition that involves maybe some elite Australian teams with maybe some teams from Asia and stuff and, and package it into a pay TV program. Is that going to be a problem that Soccer Australia is going to face in well, the future? Well, First of all, uh, there can't be a Super League takeover of soccer because of FIFA. I mean, you'd have nowhere to go because um, it has to be recognised by, by the international body. So in that sense, there can't be an ambush of, of, of soccer. 
secondly, we already have a deal with Optus Vision Pay Television, and it's a terrific deal. We get four times as much money from Optus than we do from SBS for the mm -hmm. soccer at the moment. Yeah. And, and I suspect, uh, and I'm sure Optus won't mind me saying this, when the contract expires at the end of next year, there'll be a lot more money in it again because their subscriptions are building up and, and uh, we're a very valuable sport to them. Uh, bear in mind, as a, as a summer sport, with cricket largely free-to-air on Channel 9, uh, for Australian sports content, we're probably the best available summer sport available to the pay television uh, operators. Yeah. Uh, but the final thing is that... that even if we were approached by a Super League-type um, idea, uh, we wouldn't automatically send them away. I mean, uh, soccer is dramatically... Uh, the, the, giant is, the sleeping giant is awakening, and uh, we've already had lots of people come with lots of ideas, and uh, far from sending them away, we'd like to sit down and find out what they've got to offer soccer. And if it's worth it for soccer, we'll do a deal with them. Favourite team? Favourite team? I mean, you obviously watch a lot of soccer or throughout Australia. Or, uh, just the, I think we're... Well, you know, this is upsetting people, but, mm. but for years, long before I got involved in the administration of soccer, uh, I've always been a Sydney Olympic supporter, UTS mm. Olympic. Mm. And, uh, and uh, I bumped into... He said it in jest today, uh, but the president of Sydney United, I'm going out to see their game on Sunday, mm. um, where Sydney United are at home to Olympic, and uh, Ivan, who's a terrific bloke there, president, says, you know, everybody says that you're a, a blind supporter, of uh, a one-eyed supporter of, uh, of uh, UTS Olympic. Yeah. I'm not, but they have always been, yeah. I mean, for 20 years just about, yeah. they've been the team I've supported, largely because I live closest to them. Yeah. It's my yeah. local club. They're terrific in their yeah. homes. The same yeah. Yeah. I mean, Olympic, they've produced the best, consistently one of the best uh, soccer teams, and yet I think they've had something like 16 coaches in 19 years. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's uh, colourful, it's controversial, yeah. uh, it's terrific. I mean, it's absolutely terrific. I mean, you, sometimes you weep at uh, what happens at Olympic, but, uh, you know, they're still there, mm. and they're still at the top. David, just to finish off the interview, we've got um, what we call the Four Diego's Heart Balm segment, in which we ask you a few questions, and um, if you could just answer these very, very simple questions for us. Mm -hmm. Your favourite food? Johan Cruyff. <laughs> <laughs> must be a Dutch cake it or must something. be a Dutch cake, yes. <laughs> Your favourite drink? Um, either Granduca Barolo or Brunella de Montalcino. Uh, now, the, the, these are Italian wines. So they, uh, the Granduca Barolo mm. comes from Piedmonte, right up in the northwest of Italy. Mm. And the Brunello de Montalcino comes from Montalcino in Tuscany. Uh, do, does the Marconi uh, Social Club sell any of that? Stuff? No, as a matter of fact, no. Uh, Tony Lapazetta <laughs> sent uh, Stefan Camazzi, who runs the National League, and me three yeah. bottles each of a beautiful uh, Fontana uh, red wine, and uh, um, and believe it, it tasted terrific. It's yeah. not. You didn't have to send it down to the forensic laboratory. <laughs> no, I, you drank it, though, I, did I you was don't? thinking of saying something like. Like, you know, I, I, I got a friend to taste, <laughs> <laughs> to taste it first. David, if there was one person in the world who you'd want to be, who would it be? Ah, uh, that's a very hard one. Um, um, well, who do, who do I admire greatly? Uh, Giuseppe Garibaldi. Oh, I just think he was such an inspiring figure. He, he was responsible for... Italy, most Australians don't appreciate. It's only been a country for a little longer than uh, Australia. Mm. Um, and uh, Giuseppe Garibaldi... Um, was the inspiring figure that united the nation of Italy. 
Resortimento. Yeah, very good. David, if you're organising the barbecue, name one person who you would, would not invite. <laughs> now who said that? Who said that? That's not true. No, that's not. He'd be the first on my list. Okay. Okay. Yep. And just finally, what, what advice can you give to our many young soccer players listening to our show? Go for it. Whatever your thing is in soccer, mm-hmm. go for it. Okay, David, on behalf of the Four Diegos, I'd like to thank you for your time. Obviously, you're a very busy man. Oh, and oh, oh, we haven't talked... Commissions. Oh, oh commissions. Oh, right. <laughs> been negotiating your salaries on your behalf. Oh, oh okay. Oh, we, oh, we, that's the next thing we must talk about. Okay, nice talking to you. Okay, thanks, thanks very much, much David. David. Good on you. The Four Diegos, proudly brought to you by Tax Talk. We love to talk tax. Call 1300 366 639.